what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 7 of Mad Max, which begins with Goose asking what's the matter and ends with a pickup truck pulling a camper driving by. We pick up in this minute right after Goose has told his breakfast companion across the table the just delightful story of a car crash that he experienced (laughs) Or he he witnessed. He was not directly involved. He just witnessed the aftermath of. He looks across the table to his eating companion, asks what is the matter, and the guy who has just told a horrifying story says, not hungry, am I? And it's like, well, yeah, of course you're not hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That man, do we see him again? He looked really familiar to me, but I couldn't really figure out why. He might look familiar to you because he is played by Paul Young, whose top four IMDb movies are number one, Mad Max in 1979, Mm -hmm. number two, a 1978 movie called Patrick, number three, 1988's A Cry in the Dark, or 1986's The Anniversary. Do any of those ring a bell? Wow, no, not even a little bit. Well, it's not surprising that you haven't really heard of Paul Young because he did not have a lot of named roles. He had a lot of more generic characters. Mm-hmm. Like Man and Diner. Exactly. But he had almost a 20-year career in TV and film. It stretched from 1970 all the way through to 1989. <clears throat> That's not bad. So he had a really good run. Like 19 years on the screen. I also got a kick out of once the the man in diner says he's not hungry. Goose takes his plate. Oh, yeah. And like picks off of it what he wants. He's he's very gracious that way, able to pick up where the man left off. Yeah. A bit of IMDb trivia for today, specifically related to Steve Bisley, who I think think it's Bisley, not Bisley, because Bisley sounds a little weird. Quick note from the corrections department, it's pronounced Steve Bisley. So... Mel Gibson and Steve Bisley were roommates at Australia's National Institute of Dramatic Art, and it was Bisley who encouraged Gibson to audition for the role. Bisley claims that he got the role of Jim Goose basically because he knew how to ride a motorcycle better than he knew how to act. (laughs) And considering that he spends so much time on a motorcycle in this movie, he is a good rider, for sure. But he's also one of my favorite characters in the movie. Which I think is what Miller wanted everybody to be like. I think Miller wanted everybody to like Goose and everybody to like Max. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Goose pulls a Goose later in the movie. And it is actually Goose on the... Movie poster? Yes. Yes, because he's got the the leg wrapped up in a cast. He's got the arm guards. Yes. Face mask and the helmet. Max never wears any of that. Nope. It's only Goose that wears that because he's the motorcycle cop. Right. Speaking of Goose being on a motorcycle, if he had been more attentive to his radio, if he had actually been by his motorcycle when dispatch called for aid, I have to wonder in a pursuit situation where you've got two police vehicles and one stolen V8 pursuit special, 
what good a motorcycle could do in that situation. And it makes me wonder, like, what is a Code 44? Mm -hmm. And I tried to look it up. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to find anything specifically Australia related. Mm -hmm. But even then, there's no guarantee that any information I find about actual police codes would have any application to a fictitious movie. Uh, Yeah, set 30 years ago. Exactly. And it kind of makes me wonder if a Code 44 is more of a just follow him and keep an eye on him plan. Right. As opposed to a apprehend plan. Right. What was the plan? What were they supposed to do? Yeah. That they completely threw out the window. Yeah, I am curious if Goose had heard the radio. Well, he would have been way ahead of Knight Rider on the road. So he would have had opportunity to do something. But what, what could he have done? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of equipment on that motorcycle that would have stopped the vehicle. But even then, dispatch wouldn't have told them to stop the vehicle. They probably would have told him to post up somewhere so that he could follow them at a distance. Because I imagine if they were able to follow Knight Rider back to some sort of base or location, that they could probably call in reinforcements later on and apprehend him then. Yeah. But it's like, Goose isn't going to come up on his motorcycle next to the Knight Rider and force him to pull over. If anything, Knight Rider's going to sideswipe the motorcycle and then Goose is done for. Right. I guess he could have laid down... Like a spike strip? Yeah, he could have laid down a spike strip. Although, what we've seen of Knight Rider so far, I'm not sure a spike strip would have stopped him. If he had no tires, he probably would have just kept going. Probably just driven on the rims. Yeah. So after Goose takes the plate of food, picks off what he wants, it seemed like everybody all at once saw the two interceptors flying by. Now, I I spotted the two interceptors flying by. I didn't see Knight Rider flying by. So there's two shots out the window. Okay. The first shot, you can see the Knight Rider, but the parking lot is so packed that you can't really see him because he's obscured by other vehicles. The shot of the Knight Rider is kind of the right side of the parking lot where there's a lot of vehicles. So you see the Black Pursuit Special go by. And then the shot where the interceptors are going by is kind of more to the left side of the parking lot Mm -hmm. as you're looking out the window. And there are fewer vehicles. So you can very clearly see Big Bopper and March Hare driving side by side. side yeah, side by side. We're together road. now. So did you by any chance recognize the tow truck driver that called out the Night Rider driving by? No. So the tow truck driver who calls attention to the chase was played by Telford Jackson, who, according to IMDb, is best known for The Magic Boomerang, which ran from 1965 to 1966, Mad Max in 1979, Power Without Glory in 1976, and Homicide, which ran from 1966 to 1977. Now, of the four of those... Which one sounds, which one do you want to know more about? The Magic Boomerang. I am glad you said that one because that is the <laughs> one I looked up. So the Magic Boomerang, which like I said, ran from 1965 to 1966, is a black and white children's adventure show set in rural Australia of a dad who was played by Telford Jackson, his son, his son's friends, and the misadventures that they get into But it's called the Magic Boomerang because the boy has a boomerang. And every time he throws that boomerang, as long as it's in the air, time stops. Huh. And the way they show that off in the opener is they have the kid riding on a horse because it's rural Australia. And he's got this boomerang in his hand. And it's this voiceover explaining the power of the boomerang. And so they show a shot of some horses and some cows. And then he throws the boomerang. And they have this cartoon boomerang because they didn't want to sit out in a field and just record B-roll of a boomerang flying. And so whenever they have the 
the boomerang flying through the air, they freeze the footage of the cows and the horses to show that time has stopped. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. I did not take the time to sit down and watch an entire episode, but it's pretty Australian. Yeah. It doesn't get much more Australian than a bunch of bush ranchers out in the outback with magic aboriginal weaponry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think a boomerang is technically an aborigine weapon, but I don't know. I'm an American. I'm not paid to know these things. <laughs> That's who that specific tow truck driver was. Okay. I got a kick out of the tow truck drivers were out the door almost as fast as Goose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to their trucks, actually, they pulled out of the parking lot faster than Goose did. Yep. So before they all leave the diner, there's another tow truck driver that um, utters the phrase, Struth, they're at it again. That driver <laughs> is Clive Hearn, who is best known for <laughs> number one, Mad Max, obviously, 1979. Number two, Visitors in 2003. Three, Channel Chaos in 1984. And four, The Pirate Movie. In 1982. Bet you didn't know there was a definitive pirate movie in 1982. I know, right? While his most well-known parts were in movies, Hearn had an exceptionally exhaustive career on television that spanned, and I kid you not, from 1970 until 2002 when he died. Wow. 32 years on television. Wow. Straight. (laughs) With movies in between, Mm -hmm. obviously. But this guy was no slouch. And I think he was like 70 years old when he died. Working all the way up until he died. And in fact, his last credit, which is Visitors, mm-hmm. was released a year after he died. Wow. So yeah. Working he worked up till the very end. All the way up to the end. This guy did not know what retirement was. And speaking of not knowing things, I didn't know what Struth was. It's an Australian phrase that they brought over from England. Uh It's a combination of the words gods and truth. They kind of mash it together. It's an expression of surprise or dismay. So something bad happens, and instead of saying, oh, God's truth, they say, ah, struth. Okay. Because they're efficient with their words. Right. (laughs) Sounds vaguely Shakespearean. It kind of does. I think the takeaway from learning about these actors and how much work they did that we have never heard of is that Australia has has a huge media production history. That they just don't share with everybody else? That they just are just keeping it to themselves down there. I feel like as Americans, we kind of take for granted that everybody wants to watch our media, but it's, it's not the case. Countries all around the world create their own television and their own cinema, and they don't necessarily share that with everybody automatically. We all just assume that, you know, our soap stars or our primetime TV stars are the be-all, end-all of entertainment. When, meanwhile, England's got their own shows, Australia's got their own shows, India's got their own shows, China, Japan, anywhere where there are people, they have They have their own thing. That they make homegrown. So, did you notice, by any chance, when Goose jumps up from the table and grabs 
couple of things off the table and then goes to the counter, grabs his helmet and whatnot. He's got a piece of food in his mouth. Yeah, I thought it was a bagel. Okay, I was going back and forth between bagel or English muffin. And I was trying to think, like, of the two of those, like, I kind of I kind of settled on English muffin because... Because it's English? Yeah, that was, re- that was really the only reasoning American. I had behind it. Because <laughs> I don't know how prevalent bagels are everywhere else in the world, but English muffins, because they're called English muffins, which I'm pretty sure that's not what they're called in England proper, but they have to be more prevalent in former colonies. Trying to think what English muffins are called in England. Okay, so it turns out that North American English muffins tend to have considerably more air incorporated into them. Such muffins when... Okay, we knew that. We know that there are nooks and crannies in English muffins. Thank you, Yeah, that's why we eat them. Yeah. For the nooks and crannies. So. Little pools of butter. Such muffins, when baked in the UK, are sometimes amusingly called American muffins. (laughs) My, My reasoning was completely unfounded. Yes. I think we should take a moment and take another look. To see what is in his mouth. You know, I I watched that clip so many times today. I am... If you can't haven't figured it out by now, you're not going to. Exactly. Okay, I am that's satisfied fair. not knowing what kind of baked good Goose has hanging out of his mouth. I think there are bigger fish to fry. <laughs> that is not the attitude of a minute by minute. I know, I know. We should be digging into these minutes with spade and trowel trying to get to the bedrock of every situation but it's like of all the things we could be talking about why did i start us talking about english muffins and bagels <laughs> okay so goose sticks some type of piece of bread in his mouth grabs his helmet runs out the door we can agree that it's a carbohydrate <laughs> yes like you said, the tow truck drivers beat him to their vehicles, and they're already pulling out of the driveway. Yeah, way ahead of him. Way ahead of him. Which makes a ton of sense. When you see the MFP driving by, you can almost assume, without a doubt, that there is going to be an accident. Yeah, especially, like, you know, they're the local boys. Mm-hmm. They know these people. They're friends with Goose. They're probably also fr- friends with Roop and Charlie. They know that there will be something to tow and that they can make some money. So behind the scenes, these truck drivers are not necessarily... The people driving the truck are not necessarily the same characters that were inside the diner because the truck drivers don't actually have lines. They just kind of drive the trucks. Right. The dudes that were driving the trucks, actual tow truck drivers, were paid in a case of beer each. Yep. In a way to keep costs down. So they didn't appear on screen necessarily. They just kind of drove the vehicle, but they got paid in beer. So it's like, good day done. Yep. Easy case of beer. As Goose is pulling out of the driveway. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. You've got something else. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to skip the most awesome moment of this minute when Goose flips over the hood of the car to get to his bike with the hunk of carbohydrate still in his mouth that's true that's true it was pretty spectacular and it didn't look like it was gonna go well for him at first but he pulls it off lands on his feet and it wasn't that he jumped up on the hood and slid across it he did a roll yeah like a forward shoulder roll thing which when you're going for style points I know that I would prefer the Dukes of Hazard slide when it comes to going over the hood of a car, but I will give difficulty points, which count for something, oh, in yes. the fact that he did do it with a roll, and not just he did it with a roll, but he did it with food in his mouth, and he's still holding that food in his mouth 
when he comes out of it. Yes, absolutely. I thought it was pretty spectacular. It occurs to me now that I'm to wonder how many times they did that take and that perhaps I should have looked it up. You've heard the old story. We're going to go off book for a minute. Peter Weller, when they were filming RoboCop, had to do just umpteen takes of him walking through the police station, holding up his hand, and catching a set of keys. The keys were thrown across the room, and he had to just grab, snatch them out of the air with his hand, which is really easy to do when you're not wearing a big clunky plastic glove. And he had to do it so many times because the keys kept bouncing off of his glove before he could actually close his hand. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the movie, when they show that scene, it's just a clean snatch out of the air. So you got to wonder, with Goose rolling over that hood, how many times the the biscuit flew out of his mouth, or right. one of his armor pieces fell off, or part of his uniform ripped, or flew off willy-nilly. Yeah. Like, a lot could have gone wrong. I seem to remember a fun fact that I don't think we've brought up recording before, about the 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 uniforms mm-hmm. being vinyl versus leather, right? And did I do I remember that Goose and Max are the only ones whose uniforms are actually leather? So there's a bit of a discrepancy there because I've seen it where only Max is wearing real leather because he's the main character, and I've also seen it that Goose is also wearing real leather because he's actually out on a motorcycle, right? And he should be wearing real leather, exactly. So I think. The way it goes is that both of them had a full set of leather and everybody else, Roop, Charlie, Sars, Scuttle, Fifi, they all have just vinyl. Yeah, that would explain, I mean, if Goose was wearing vinyl, I cannot imagine him flipping over that car without ripping his pants. Yeah, because vinyl is nowhere near as durable as actual leather. It kind of has the look but it doesn't have the strength. Nope. So I'm going to go with Goose and Max are the ones in real leather. Okay. So as Goose is riding away, following after the tow trucks, we see a bunch of the patrons inside the diner come outside to watch them drive off. The bearded guy in front, that is James McCausland, the screenwriter. So oh, yeah. this is his movie cameo. Yeah, nice. Yep. He's also the guy inside the diner that said, See you later, Goose. So he put a line for himself in his own movie. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the least you can do for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) As Goose is riding away, he spends more time in the dirt than on pavement. He rides away as the crow flies. Mm -hmm. Instead of going like around the cars that are there and then, you know, turning, turning left proper on the road, he goes as the crow flies. Which he overshoots, ends up on the other side of the road. Uh, is there a hill? I can't remember if he like goes down a hill a little bit or not. But he goes into the dirt and then kind of and then takes a big swooping left to join. Well, you know, when you're on two wheels, you got to exploit that, right? And I wonder if it's if he was trying to get in front of the tow trucks. Oh, he definitely was. Right, which he was not successful. The only th- he gets in front of the tow trucks by the tow trucks disappearing Pretty from the shop. Yeah, they do disappear for They're a couple gone. of minutes They're just here. Gone. So he gets on the road. We cut to a shot of the Knight Rider still speeding down the road. But this time we can actually clearly see March Hare and Big Bopper closer behind him. And yes. I believe it's actually Big Bopper directly behind him because it's the car that's missing one of the light caps. Remember when they spun out, they lost one of those little blue caps on top of the lights. Yes. So that's how you can easily tell them apart when you can't see the hood. Yeah. We see more of the pursuit there, and then we get another shot of Goose catching up on his motorcycle, 
That bridge, for all of you that are curious, is the, and bear with me because there's a bunch of R's and a bunch of O's here, the Kororoit Bridge Road, no, it's the Kororoit Creek Road Bridge in Melbourne. Okay, not bad. <laughs> it is K-O-R-O-R-O-I-T. <laughs> it's almost like some guy had a verbal tick when they were trying to spell it for the first time <laughs> and just repeated himself like I often do. So that's charming. <laughs> the bridge largely looks the same because it's a bridge. Because it's a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get another quick close-up of Max listening to his radio. This time it's just zoomed in on his sunglasses. Yes. And then over the over the radio, we hear, I'm not sure who's saying it. I labeled it as Rube, who said that they are heading towards population. Okay. There's a bunch of indistinguishable radio chatter at one point, but there's definitely a very clear, they're heading towards population. And I thought it sounded a lot like Rube. Okay. It seems like this actually gets a reaction out of Max. It's mm-hmm. very subtle, just the way he moves his eyes. Yeah, you can kind of see his eyelids move. Yeah, like he he like he was looking down and now he's looking up. Yeah. So very subtle. But I'm not sure that we've really seen much reaction out of him so far. We still haven't seen his face. This is the first time that we've really been able to see his eyes. Yes. And I mean, they're obscured by the sunglasses, but they're still visible because it's not completely tinted. Right. It's only shaded. Yes. So he's been pretty cool up till now. Seems like now he's going to start getting involved. Mm -hmm. Especially since, like we said, we're heading into population. Yep. And the next cut that we see after we get another little update of Goose catching up is we cut to a street where a woman is pushing a toddler in a little stroller and then a truck pulling a camper drives by. Yeah. Now I know that other countries, they call them caravans, but they're called campers here. So deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag America. Okay, two things. First of all, in my notes, I wrote down that we see the first sighting of the stupid toddler. Because that toddler is stupid. Well, he's also a toddler. Yes, but he's a stupid toddler. And also, the way the minute ends, it's a really nice establishing, a couple of establishing shots showing us what's about to happen. Putting people in place for for the events that, that are coming down the road. Mm-hmm. Literally. So it's kind of like everything you see in this establishing last couple of seconds is kind of a Chekhov's gun, only it's a Chekhov's toddler and a Chekhov's camper and yes. a Chekhov's pile of debris next to a telephone box. Absolutely. Everything we see matters and is being put into place. Events are in motion that we're going to have the epic crash that mm. we're, we're going to have soon. Yes. Yes, we are. Our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number seven. See you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men, men take me to the end of-